Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator, the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Coaches, we know it might seem like a hassle to gather classroom observation data and be present during a teacher's lesson. What would it be like if that was done for you? The ability to see trends in student talk versus teacher talk, high quality questioning, wait time, and even grade level academic vocabulary could make a big difference in upgrading the quality of instruction. Sydney has recently upgraded its coaching platform to include all of these capabilities using AI technology. All you have to do is capture video or audio of the lesson using your phone and Sydney does the rest. How cool is that? And one of the things I love the most about Sydney is that it stays all confidential on the platform. Visit sydney.com front slash TWE for your free trial or click the link in the show notes. Hello, 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 coaches and leaders. I have a very accomplished guest today on the podcast to share. We're going to have like a really interesting conversation about teacher voice, teacher leadership, teacher teams, all of that. I'm very excited to hear what she has to say. But first, uh, before we jump in, I want to welcome you to the show, Star. Thanks so much, Becca. I'm excited to have this conversation So Star Saxton, you have written books, you've done a TED Talk, you consult around the world. I love so much, like all of your varied interests and um, like expertise. So I'd love you to share with everyone, what has been your journey in education, starting in the classroom and uh, where you've ended up now? Sure. So I spent 16 years in the classroom as uh, high school, I'll, I'll say secondary. I did one year in middle school, but for the most part, high school English and journalism and instructional coaching and mentoring. Um, from there, I went into a district leadership position as a curriculum director for a couple of years in the humanities. So I got to learn a little bit more about other subjects that I didn't necessarily teach all the time, um, which was like my first real the year before I had spent in like an intensive coaching role, but now I was coaching folks who weren't just in my content area. I was coaching coaches, you know, coaching teachers in a variety of different places and levels, which was different and new and challenging, which was awesome. (laughs) And then I segued into a consulting position where I now work with teacher teams, exclusively leadership coaching a variety of different assessment coaching, um, coaching specifically, since that's my area of expertise. And it's been a wild ride, I got to say. Like each situation has been very, very different, but very exciting nonetheless. I love that. Sure. So, you know, I want to talk about the context of education here. I've been using some phrases lately a lot, and one of them is compliance culture. Mm. So, default, the way schools run (laughs) from top down is we have a compliance culture. And what I mean is someone up top, someone in in New York City was like, we're going to buy HMH for K-8. The teachers did not choose that. Right. 
And the nature of that decision, because the teachers were not part of that decision, is uh, we spent millions of dollars on this curriculum, and we are going to make sure that you use it. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to tell you about it, right? We're going to teach you how to use it, maybe, if we're lucky. And... (laughs) And, you know, and then, and then we, we want you to use it compliantly. We want you to follow our direction. First of all, yeah, what are your thoughts about, well, what are your thoughts about teacher voice? So the same way I was an advocate for student voice when I was in the classroom, I very much believe that the teacher is the best expert of what their kids need in a classroom. I even believe that with newer teachers, they just need to hone the skill of mm-hmm. paying attention to those things and knowing what to look for. Um, I would say the vast majority of people I know that got into education didn't do it for the money. They mm-hmm. certainly are doing it because they love kids and they want to make the learning environment something exciting for the folks they work with. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that teacher voice is essential in these decision making. I just I really think that a culture of like appreciative inquiry is the way to get teachers to really be successful instead of. I don't know, bullying them into a corner to do the thing and be compliant at it, but never truly um, realize the potentials that they have as, as educators themselves. I want to hear more about <laughs> appreciative inquiry. I was like, what is this? I've, I've never heard of this. Tell, tell us more about appreciative inquiry. So it's this idea of taking an asset approach to the things that we do. So like, we walk into a space and we acknowledge the things that are working instead of the things that aren't working. When you're building a relationship with folks as a coach, the last thing you want to do is start ripping them apart the first time you're building that relationship. If anything, they kind of have to see that you're able to see what they're strong at and help them play to those strengths. So that's really what appreciative inquiry is all about. It's like doing learning walks with a team with a protocol that forces folks to look for what's working, talk Mm -hmm. to kids, find out how well kids understand what's happening in the space. You get more by identifying that you notice things are good than, you know, somebody you barely know sitting down with them and telling all the things you have to fix. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, again, we all have things to fix. I I just think that there's a tactful way to do that. And it's not around a table where your entire department is sitting with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I think that's the rookie, the rookie error is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, it's, you're talking about strengths based context mm-hmm. versus a deficit based, right? I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are other ways that you empower teacher voice when you're working with teacher teams? Well, I always ask teachers to set their own goals and, ask really targeted questions that they want feedback on. Mm -hmm. So part of like, if we're preparing to do a round of learning walks together, whether it's an administrative where it's me, the the folks that are in the building and higher leadership going into classes, or it's interdisciplinary learning walks with the teachers going into the spaces. I, I always think it's a good idea for the teacher to be the one to tell us what we should be looking for. Like, what do you want feedback on? Mm-hmm. Um, when I walk into a room, there's a million different things I can notice. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that's going to be most helpful to your practice right now? And, you know, what are you going to be doing in class when we walk in there so that there's no surprises? I don't have to figure that out. 
Um, and how can we be most supportive of whatever that is? So I try to help the leaders that I work with too, when we do these instructional rounds, like you kind of have to fight the urge to impose your will upon other people when you're in Mm -hmm. these spaces. Yes, yes, yes. I I need you to say that again. Say it again for the people on the back. You can't impose your own will on folks when you walk in the spaces. So it's a a hard mindset for some folks to switch because as an instructional leader who lives in a building, you do have obligations and I don't want to diminish that that challenge. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you hired me to come into your school and to help your folks move in a direction that's going to help the student learning culture if it's happening. And that starts by respecting the professionalism of the folks you have in there um, and not treating them like the kids you're trying to fix, but Mm -hmm. treat them like the professionals they are Mm -hmm. valued and respected and know that every space can't look the same. I mean, I'm all for equity across classrooms and I do think curriculum should be aligned and there should be some kind of pacing, but the lockstep version of how that looks is completely wrong. In my opinion, that doesn't work for anyone. It doesn't work for kids. It doesn't work for teachers. It works for the person who's walking into classrooms who could pick up a binder and say, Oh, they're supposed to be here. They're here. Check walking out now. Um, I don't know that that black and white kind of approach to understanding learning to me, I think is really conducive to a non growth mindset in a learning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that you named that too. Um, And I, I I feel like you named, this is an interesting theme I'm picking up just around the questions we ask ourselves. And I feel like you said something that I could like, you know, just drop, drop a little seed to the listeners. Another question we can be asking ourselves as coaches is how can I leave them feeling respected and honored as a professional? Hell yes. Right? And it's yes. never by telling them what to do and holding them accountable to doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure they get plenty of that without mm-hmm. the paid consultant who comes in to do work mm-hmm. with them. Like, mm-hmm. my goal is always, like, I want my teams to love when I'm there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the more PD kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to be the hell yes, stars coming again. We can't mm-hmm. wait to do the work that we started last time and follow up on it. Like that's mm-hmm. really what I shoot for. I want to feel like a member of the team and not just someone extra. Yeah, I love that. And there was one more thing I wanted to to touch on that you had spoken about, about letting teachers choose the things that they want to work on and You know, there's a thing that I think actually needs to happen before we do that. And I often find it's a missing conversation in schools. And that is, what does the school, the school leader, the school community, how does a school define good teaching and learning in a classroom? Different schools say different things. Some schools are like, we value very quiet classrooms. Some schools are like, please be messy and loud or, 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 you know, and it's not even about noise level. Like some, you know, some school, it's just, it's, there's such a wide variety of what we say is good teaching and assuming, assuming that me as a school leader is thinking that good teaching, what good teaching is, is the same as all my teachers is a very, very, uh, ineffective way to lead a school, right? And so before we 
And I think sometimes, co- I think I've heard coaches say, I tried to let my teachers choose their goals. Like essentially they didn't choose like very helpful goals or, or goals that the coach thought. We can absolutely guide folks in what to focus on. Sure. And so having that conversation, what do we as a school community say is good teaching can really help empower people to choose helpful goals. I I will say in New York City public schools, where I still work with a lot of teacher teams, they're really good about using their school's impact plan Mm -hmm. as the basis of what we're doing. And most of those schools have their CEP goals very much aligned with expectations of what's happening in the spaces. So I always make sure I'm familiar with their plan. I know what the overarching goals for the school year are. I know what the data is on how the kids have performed thus far on benchmark assignments and um, if they're using map growth um, information or homemade formative kind of benchmark work. And then I'm able to give them better advice about how to use what they have in a meaningful way instead of, and and also provide resources for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's kind of the unspoken part. Teachers have enough on their plates. They certainly don't need to go hunting for good resources also. So if I could take 20 minutes off their plate by providing them with high quality resources that I've already vetted, that's Mm -hmm. something I'm really happy to do. I want to hear what are some dysfunctional uh, behaviors that you've seen in teacher teams? Um, well, uh, poor communication is like the hallmark of a million different problems that can arise. So some people are afraid to say how they really feel and going back to your compliance culture will yes a lot of things, even when they don't agree with what they're yesing. Um, and then they mm-hmm. think they'll be able to squirrel away, shut the door and do whatever they want anyway. And by the way, mm-hmm. I was one of those teachers also. Here's the thing, right? There's the there's the silence, like withholding. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like if if there's a culture in a school, a very strong compliance culture, like do what I say fear. or else. Yeah. yeah. And a teacher does speak up. Hey, I don't think I don't like this idea. I don't think this is good teaching. They're labeled as resistant. Yep. I I live that dream too as a teacher. You know, to name if someone is silent, they're withholding information, that's a dysfunction. And if there's a culture of compliance and they speak out, they're labeled. Um, So anyway, okay. I just want, I wanted to name that like the opposite of that dysfunction. Okay. Sure. I mean, no, and I, a fear culture promotes a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in leadership, I certainly have experience where like we'd be at the end of a meeting and someone would say, what do you think of that? And I took the bait every single time and would get berated at the end of the meeting for taking the bait. You asked for my opinion. I gave it to you. And because you don't like my opinion, now I'm going to be publicly humiliated because I didn't say the thing you wanted me to say. I knew what you wanted me to say. I just didn't agree with it. And I stood my ground because I believed that what I was saying was better for the folks that we were talking about, better for our kids. Mm-hmm. And so I know what it feels like to be in that teacher role where you are a person who's innovating, who's not afraid to say the thing. You get labeled. Yeah. Those are yeah two dysfunctions of a team. And they very much speak to culture. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't divorce these behaviors from culture. Culture gives these dysfunctions. 100%. 
really. Okay. So now I want to hear how can coaches and leaders support building functional teacher teams? I think it starts by leaders being a part of the teams at first, like giving value to that time and space. So like, I know when I'm being brought in from outside, it's different than obviously if you're a coach inside of a culture, being a coach from outside the culture, like I really require at least one leader is in the room with me the whole time, because I think teachers see that if you think this is value valuable enough for you to clear your schedule and be in this space and do the work with us. Mm -hmm. So you know what we're hearing, what the expectations are, um, and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And and you're truly in the room as a learner, not as somebody on their email while the rest of us is sitting here doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really does send a very strong message about the fact that you value this work that you've brought somebody into and that you want them to be successful and you want to understand it. For sure. And I, I didn't, as I was thinking of this conversation, I didn't realize like culture would come up so much. And of course it does. It always leads to culture, but it's, it's, um, you know, building functional teacher teams. What I find really so scary though, is a lot of times principals are not as aware as they should be mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. what is so broken about Mm -hmm. their culture and they are blissfully unaware of Mm -hmm. the fact uh, of their role in, Mm -hmm. in what that's doing to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I struggle with as a coach, as an outsider, because I've tried being direct. That doesn't always work. Um, Mm -hmm. I've tried being gentle and that doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have made decisions to, not work with teams anymore because our values don't align. And Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be forced to sit in a room listening to you berate your teachers after I insisted at the beginning of the day that this was about appreciative inquiry and that we were focusing on positive things since it was the first time other teachers were walking into people's classrooms, it was kind of like a, how dare you do that after I tried to create a safe environment where people invited us into their spaces mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we didn't make a schedule, it was people volunteering to say, hey, I want mm-hmm. you to come see this. And then you went ahead and found that one thing, that one kid with a head down in the back of the room and felt a burning desire to share that in front of this entire group. Like I am mortified for that teacher when that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it, it, right. It can be tough, you know, and though just acknowledging like the vulnerability of inviting people into your classroom and, yeah. um, okay. So I want to, I want to go into concrete strategies. Now we've talked in this conversation about teacher teams, building functional teacher teams and empowering teacher voice. What, uh, what, what would you leave our, coaches and leaders listening today, what do you want to leave them with on things they can bring back into their schools, concrete next steps for them? Um, Well, for one, the first thing I would say is that relationships buy you a certain amount of like currency with, with educators. And yeah, I know it seems probably like low hanging fruit to mention it, but I feel like I'd be remiss not to. Mm -hmm. Everything starts with the relationships. And if you don't have good relationships with the people you're working with, you're not going to get the results you want. 
um, it'll never reach its fullest potential. Yeah, I love this. Okay, we have to wrap this up. Time is almost up. But um, I, lo- I, I'm loving this conversation. I love all of the, you know, just the 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 value that you bring into schools and empowering educators. Right, this is what this is about. Um, empowering our coaches and leaders here with this podcast to empower our teachers. Um, So I'd love you to share with everyone, where can they find you? What kind of resources in general would they, you know, could they find if they're looking at your website, for example? Okay. So there's a lot, I'm not going to lie. Like um, I, this, this year I'll, I'll have my 16th book coming out in July. I just had one come out in January, this one, which I feel like every time I give birth to a book, which is kind of how I think of it, Hacking Assessment is definitely my most popular book. And people read it because it's all of my books are very teacher friendly. They're practical. You get a little bit of background of the why, but it's really like, I want to try something new tomorrow. These are strategies and tips you could do that with. And like, Mm -hmm. go try it out. And then... um, email me and let me know how it goes. Because when I write the next book, if you know what I suggested isn't working for you, I want to acknowledge that and find out better way to do it. So um, I really try to be in dialogue with my readers, um, whether it's through my blog, my website. Um, I'm on X less than I was five years ago, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I would say LinkedIn's probably the best space to find me right now um, mm-hmm. in terms of professional, but I, I do have a website the website has what conferences I'll be at and presenting on what book releases, other kinds of appearances, all that kind of stuff you can get on MissPaxton.com. Yep. So I will put all these links in the show notes. Everyone can just click and find you in all these places. So anyway, thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing all of your experiences, your thoughts about empowerment. I love it. Um, so I just, I appreciate everything you've shared today. I appreciate being here, Becca. We know that you are working very hard in this time of year, and we wanted to remind you that we have some free resources for you, a free ebook, even a free webinar just for you. So go ahead to thewholeeducator.com and click on the free resources. They are all there for you. And until next time, just remember, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. Take care.